Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Momos and the Oppas, a podcast discussing the Avatar universe's folklore episode by episode. We are your hosts, Eric Lefebvre, Dr. Amber Jones, and Jessica Tresero. We're continuing our journey through Avatar The Last Airbender. We're still in book one water, and we're on chapter seven, The Spirit World, parentheses, Winter Solstice, part one. In this chapter, a small village requests Aang's help with an unruly spirit, and Aang enters the spirit world for the first time. Meanwhile, Ivro wins a rock-throwing contest against Earthbenders. Say what? Say what indeed. Say what. Okay, so I figured out exactly why this episode is imprinted in my brain. Um, This was the episode going into the Nostalgia episode when we were like watch- talking about like our history with the show. Mm-hmm. This is the episode that I was like, oh, I really remember this episode so intently, the one with the spirit where Sokka gets captured and whatever. It is because... Uncle Iroh <laughs> is in this episode. <laughs> and it is because he shows full legs and full torso uh, most of the time. And on top of that, when he is restrained on the horse and says, can you tighten these, please? Get out of my face. <laughs> Him falling, like literally Anything that has to do with him in this episode, I realized how intense my my brain told it. Like, it wasn't because of, like, my brain didn't do the, oh, it's because he's hot. It was, remember this episode. And I do, it's like, oh, it's a spirit episode. It was the one episode that I always remember. And it is because of Uncle Iroh, 100%. He is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> he's so hot. Yes. 100, like... And this is like before they explicitly wanted us to find him sexy. Yes. But it was just like, it's such clear sexiness. It can Like him standing out of the hot tub and then the hand. And so you're getting everything but yeah. like the crotch and you're like, whoa. Which is and a then, fun little uh, like little skitty. And then him fighting in his chonies with the, uh, even. with the chains. I was like, damn. Okay. The way... They really didn't have to do it like this, but the way when the earthbenders show up and mm-hmm. like block him into the hot tub, mm. the way they drew his legs. <laughs> why? Why did why? Like, I mean, thank you, but like We've are whoa. We already know that everything is very intentional with Avatar and very. with the animation, so I'm gonna say that was for you, Eric. Yeah, I like to think that they just knew we would find that a treat when we mm-hmm. grew up. <laughs> oh my god! And that it would stick deeply in people's minds with their children. Like, like the... I like Uncle I. Yeah, <laughs> all of our daddy complexes got <laughs> ignited. In <that> <laughs> okay. Ooh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yes. Um, the whole, like, he found, like, a perfect little, it, it almost looks exactly like the, like, chakra pools that yeah. we see. So it's definitely, like, this beautiful little place. And he heated the water perfectly. Oh, my God. He does a whole, like, thing, heating the water. And it's just like, oh. I would have just climbed in with I I want to be that little um the field mice field mouse the vole. The, <laughs> yes. yeah the vole 
I was just like, I wish I could be on his hand. <laughs> oh, just like a little field. Oh, 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 to be that creature. <laughs> being and held like in the, the vole totally liked him. He was trying to say like, oh, there's some earth bitches out there. Yeah, was like, <laughs> like hey, come you're on, cool. Come we on. should leave here. <laughs> hey, let's go. Let's let's get right. out of here. Yeah, do you want to get out of here? Or like, what are you I doing? Don't know, like, and like right now, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I I like have some fish that I was just gonna like put on the grill <laughs> later, whatever. Um, <laughs> like, you look like you might be hungry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> I'm very hungry. I am I'm starving. Actually, famished. Yeah, I have not eaten in days. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my gosh. One so, day when they remake with the rated R very sex positive avatar. It Okay, who would you it. cast as Iroh? Oh, probably Jack Ooh. Black. He would be a sexy Iroh. He really would be. I mean, but that would be another one of those like a white guy. Yeah. Doing, which he's like top of mind just because he's like charismatic and can be like kind of evil but is like charming and hot. A little. I even though I hadn't thought of this person as a sex symbol before, I immediately thought about the dad from Kim's Convenience as like a okay. similar Iro out like man. And okay. if he yeah. did the like underneath conditioning, could totally be that sexy, I think. Are you Googling this? Let's see what he looks. Uh, yeah, you have to look up Kim's convenience. I'm googling. He's he was oh. his other um, credit was literally in Harriet the Spy, and I love Harriet the Spy so much. Oh, oh he, he would be would play, great. He would play a great Uncle Iroh. I went straight to him. Yeah. See, the only the other guy that I was thinking of was Randall Park to play like a really convincing, uh-huh, hot, charming dad. He was the dad in Fresh Off the Boat. And also, yeah, I feel like we just need to explore more the world of um, sexy Asian actors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In a way that isn't just, yeah. Not in a fetishy way. (laughs) No, but in a way that is often overlooked by Western media specifically. Yes, and, because I mean, we don't tell their his, stories. Historically, intentionally so. Like, the history with that and, like, the feminization of yes. that kind of man and the demasculinization, like, very mm-hmm. intentionally, that has to, like, we have to reverse that because that was very much, like, a tool. Yes. Um, but, yeah, 100%. Just, like, a hot, charming dad. Mm-hmm. Who is like sweet and kind of stern sometimes where you're like, <gasps> but like, you know what I mean? Like everything's great. And suddenly it's like, that's the wrong thing. You're like, oh my God, wait, what? <laughs> but it's like, kind of like nice. You're like, oh my God, yes. I'm taking it back. But like also what's up? <laughs> and somebody that can yes. like deliver that advice, both charmingly and like backhandedly. Like I'm oh, thinking yeah. of um, uh, Sulu. Sulu would be oh, yeah. he has that voice. I mean, maybe not mm-hmm. the look, but but like he does that have the voice. Charisma he does have the voice. and that like passing yeah. on wisdom, but then just kind of yeah. I don't know. But I like oh your God. pick, Amber. Your pick is yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah, I don't so, think I had thought of him that way. Anyway. <laughs> Uncle Iroh. Definitely the first 
real sexy character oh yeah in avatar like the rest of them are still just little kids and it's also kind of fun because this is the first episode where like we also get a little bit of his backstory like a little bit more like we know he's dangerous like Mm -hmm. we know he's like been like a criminal and like laid siege and stuff and you're like oh what we're is reminded all this? that he is a war, a war criminal. criminal yes it does not take away <laughs> his hotness unfortunately and like you see like these little moments where he's just like playing a loop he's like oh no look i fell but he like drops the sandal and he like looks at it and you're like damn okay <laughs> yeah yes i also just fall in love with Iroh in this episode because it's like clearly that head earthbender that finds him he has a chip on his shoulder against Iroh like he knows what he looks like immediately which in this world means like had to have seen some like painting Mm -hmm. or something or drawing of him Um, probably I imagine like a he was like a kid when Ira was laying siege to Ba Sing Se and maybe like he was like the face of evil every single night and here he is running into the face of evil um, and he was like oh, uh, he used to be powerful and scary but he doesn't scare me anymore and I feel like without being cruel about it I feel like Iroh's response to that is like, no, I'm still incredibly dangerous. And you guys really, like, you were right to be like, be careful around him because he's a genius military leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I honestly couldn't agree more with, like, he's so cool. Like, I know, like, it's a little bit of him bragging about being, like, kind of a badass-ish mm. But there is a level of, like, constant calm that he has, even in these moments of, like, him escaping. It's just like, oh, hey, can you, like, touch this buckle real quick? And then it's, like, on fire. And then, like, (laughs) he's, like, boop. He, like, falls off and then, like, kicks fire out of his heels and, like, kind of rolls down the hill. And he's like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Like, I'm going to get out of this. This is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you, like, notice, like, that all came out of, like, a calm conversation like they probably weren't even paying attention to where they were and and just instantly Ira's about that action Mm -hmm. yeah like he yeah that was his plan all along he he instigate well they were that that was when they were asking him about that what was it uh 600 days siege Mm -hmm. or something of bossing say yeah and they were like you lost because you couldn't get through he's like i lost because i was tired and I wanted yeah. to go home. I was bored. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like a beautiful strategic move where he continues to retreat as they're just trying to goad him. Mm-hmm. And really, he knows, oh, you're just not paying attention. I'm about to get out of here. Yeah. I don't want to go with you. So, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I've talked about it before in the other podcast, but it's really really beautiful Iroh and Zuko fighting together in this episode um Iroh has the perfect line all of it is just like so smooth and I feel like this is like the one time where it's just like man I think I forgive him for being 
a war criminal like <laughs> he's just too cool like he is still mostly naked only really oh, like my. wearing chains and what the <laughs> i mean he's used to that has, right that's this is not the first time in, but he yeah. is not phased at all he all he uses is his chains in the fight he doesn't even fire bend against them like it's just such a fucking flex like i don't even have to use my bending against you and by the way i'm going to wrap my chain around this giant rock and throw it back at you earthbender didn't think that was (laughs) happening did you and it's just so beautiful and perfect and something that like only iroh could have orchestrated like he's the only character that could have set that up so perfectly and it's believable because he is a genius and i like that that's how we're being told these things about him it's not like hey remember i remember when i was like heralded as such it's like the person being like no he's dangerous be careful yeah and then in this fight like actively succeeding without even using a single power just oh, yeah. using sheer strength with no armor, nothing. Oh, ready I forgot to go. the line. Um, it was like, What are you doing? You're clearly outnumbered. And he was like, Yes, but you're clearly outmatched. And it's like, uh <laughs> I honestly, he's so hot. <laughs> so hot. <laughs> it's silly. It is silly how they characterize and depict this man in this show there has to be some purposeful thing i you know i love shouting out the artists oh yeah i feel like they know so much about what we really needed as children oh yeah and what we need now (laughs) it's got he's uh, he yeah He's so effortless. And so it is actually his character, that sort of effortlessness of his character mm-hmm. is something that I like that they're introducing in general. We've talked about it a little bit, but like mm-hmm. his sense of just like things will happen as they come and you face it as it mm-hmm. shows up. Like the the sort of like be mm-hmm. in the present. There like there is future, sure, but like it's not here yet and there's no reason to dwell. Yeah. There's just now be present. The only thing that exists is to here, you mm-hmm. in this moment. So focus on that in the same way that like in the next episode, we'll get into it. But Roku very much is like, you have been and you will continue to be. But right now it's like, how will I know when to come find you? He's like, that's not a question to ask right now. Yeah. You'll know when they you'll figure it out. And, yeah. And it'll happen. It. Mm-hmm. it will happen. And that's yes. not something that you should worry about because when, when it's supposed to happen, it will have a great week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, I'm sure lots of people might miss this detail, but there's an important detail they have in this episode about Iroh, and they never really explain it, but the reason why Iroh, well, I'm I'm not offering an answer to this. I'm saying Iroh can see Aang flying around in the spirit world. Well, yes. he's, he's in the physical world, but he's as a spirit, and so they've here suggested that Iroh can see spirits. He has some sort of sensitivity in order to see them. Um, And I feel like that comes up immediately in 
the finale of yes. this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's it, it's such a good way to like introduce that idea, which is uh-huh. so pivotal to his character in the same way they don't let us forget that he's a war criminal and they just kind of build upon that until we have the full context. Yeah. This was like the first time also that we see like nobody else. They've made a point at this at this moment to show that literally nobody can see Aang and he's just like, oh. That's a thing. Huh. And then, you know, <laughs> it, it starts to make sense why, like, the, the little mouse came up and it was like, hey, like, something's coming, right? He mm-hmm. was warning him because he's, like, um, he's, like, sensitive to the spirits, sensitive to, like, like nature in general. And that's why yeah. in Korra, he is... Um, he just ditches his, like, physical body and he's like, I'm going to live in the spirit world forever. Yes. And I... Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. In Korra, they explore so much more like how some people have special sensitivities to spirits. Um, And they always talk about Aang. They're like, oh, you had such a perfect connection with the spirits. And I'm like, "Mm." did he know? I didn't know what was happening. Iroh did. And again, your example of Iroh just gave up his body saying, like, I'm just going to chill here with the spirits, which I'm sure takes tremendous spiritual power. Mm -hmm. And also to be accepted, right? Because, I mean, you go there, you can, like, we find out later that you can be challenged, you can die in that in the spirit world. But, like, Mm -hmm. really, like, not only was he like there and like allowed to be there, but he was thriving. He was having like a party yeah. for fucking everybody and everybody loved him. So all the spirits like came to him and were like, let's do this. So um, I I like how I think they don't really explicitly get into this, but because we don't know him as like a war criminal and this sort of like violent lord of death, essentially, like we don't really see that version of him. I like that story-wise, this version of him is the opposite of something that is so destructive and so powerful and so, mm-hmm. like, death-inducing. The opposite of that is somebody who is so in tune with the natural, the spirit, the the world as it is, both visually and, like, like he is so sensitive in a way that you can't be when you're like a mercenary of, of war. Like, like that is just yeah. their total polar opposites. And I like that that's not an explicit mm-hmm. thing, but it's very clearly like he is this thing now in yeah. a way that is the exact opposite of what he once was. And I think, and that thing is connectedness. And you're like, Oh, I think that's a really cool way to show too, that we all contain multitudes and that everything yeah. like our entire lives are made of choices. So no matter what you decide to do in the past, you can always change that. And you can like literally go from being a fucking war criminal, which you still are, but like to being something that impacts the world for the better or like, you know, does like it some, you can do something that's so much greater, you know, like, I feel like we should have a disclaimer. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Two world (laughs) war criminals can, uh, rehabilitate themselves. Can, well, are there yeah, any yeah. examples of real world war criminals? Uh, like- George Bush. Jesus. Okay. So, Where, disclaimer. Well, I mean, yes, in the fiction. No, no, no. no, 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 yeah, no I was no, like, I mean, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Yes, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. I mean that only in the sense of like, 
optically speaking from a publicity standpoint to optically optically speaking yes um that is sort of the recent portrayal of him is sort of like a soft artist when it's like yeah no he's not <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so so optically that's the and I he mean, only came to mind for that reason yeah um, and I mean, like Donald Rumsfeld, he died a, oh, yeah. a little while ago, comfortably in his like racist like name home. <laughs> yeah, like an asshole. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like, yeah, we need a disclaimer to be like, <laughs> it is cool to love Iroh. It really is because he didn't actually murder any real people. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, like as as real as the story to us is um it's not cool however to kind of i don't know if anyone to this extent feel, felt this way but like to kind of propagandize this idea of like oh he used to be a bad guy yes. yeah no and he did all of this but now he likes little voles and yeah. stuff like that and that's often In- the treatment that george w bush gets like oh look he paints and he visits all of the thousands of people he cripples (laughs) yeah it's much it's much easier to have that conversation about sort of rehabilitating an image or rehabilitating one's soul in the fictitious context of a show Mm -hmm. or like fictional characters but in reality sure technically yes it's possible but it is a much different story because It's real lives, real people's mm-hmm. lives. Um, and because we didn't see and, what he was actually capable of before, right? We hear these whispers, yeah. but we don't ever see him yeah. in his prime where he was supposed to be Fire Lord. He was supposed to be this person. I Theoretically, yeah. he's supposed to. he was probably as bad, if not worse, than Ozai. And the only reason that he steps down is because his son was murdered, right? And then that's his, yeah. that's his reality check, not... I mean, you don't get to um, conquer the entire world and lay siege to Bossing yeah. say without killing people or without torture yeah. or without anything. And there's a reason why he's feared, right? And yeah. even if he he himself did not like torture people or kill people, the people in his mm. command did. So he like you know that is on him, and we don't get to see yeah. that. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for that disclaimer because I was like. It's really easy to love him, but at the same time, just remembering, like, this is the context. And while, and I think even though he's, like, a big soft teddy bear now, like, that's something that he never lets himself forget is what he did to others. Yeah. And so when we, so the way that he chooses to interact with the world is knowing what he is and what he has done and, like, and positioning himself in a way to where he can do something not, like, like, you know, when he takes uh, Bossing Say back from Ozai yeah. in the final battle and stuff like that, and he's working with everybody else, and he's been actually helping the Avatar this whole time. Like, it wasn't for self-glory or for redemption. It was only because it was the right thing to do. Um, and so, so yeah, so we all make choices. Make good <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, but understand the boundaries yeah. that we do have real life living world war criminals that are just living normal ass lives yeah because this and is the fiction it's not cool <laughs> because it's like oh well that was just a job and it was a game and it's yeah fuck off like 
He had no real choice. People. It's not real people. Like, yeah. Ugh. I do wonder if we ever get that R-rated version of Avatar, if we're going to see <laughs> that of Iroh and I mean, how that is going to change our perspective and perception of him, even if this is who he is exactly. Take this exact character and then mm-hmm. we actually see like, you know, that like, two episodes of like the hundred year war and what he did during that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Honestly, I would love to see Iroh when he was completely different. Mm -hmm. Like I can imagine him being like just as ruthless, just uh, all of these things, because we got a little bit of like a Zulan and a Zulan was definitely not about any weakness. Um, that like you know he could have been like super ruthless but also still like tea like on his off days um and in a sense like his brother of course seeing that as like an ultimate weakness um and him ultimately realizing he's he was working really really hard to be this future fire lord Mm -hmm. And I think Ira would see that as his lowest point. Mm-hmm. And so like no, I would yeah. be totally cool with an R-rated bloody ass version showing just how bad he was. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest about our like sensibilities. It's it he'll still be super sexy to us. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible things to the Earth Kingdom. Um uh. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was going to mean, no, I was, I mean, <laughs> never mind. If we need to talk, like, I'll talk about how I'm really attracted to, like, Vatu. Like, there's. Oh, well, yeah. Don't really. Yeah. I know, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't really. I think that's something that's just hardwired in our brains. <laughs> we like, oh, that. Vatu. Bad. That bad boy. Who's who? Who's this kite? Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Sexy kite with that. You're sexy so. Voice. You're so tall. <laughs> um. Well, going back to the idea of, like, rehabilitation, I feel like the theme of the episode largely is rebirth, right? Yes. It is new life from death. That idea of, hey, here's an acorn in a burned down forest. So once this was a great forest, so it shall be again eventually and so on and so forth. So I do think that it is so cool that we're getting a lot of the Iroh story or a lot of like the Iroh bits in the episode Mm. about rebirth, even if it's not an explicit um, one-to-one allegory. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, I mean, largely the B story is only Iroh. Yeah. And then the rest of it is like, (laughs) Hey, we've only talked about the B story. I know. Um, really. (laughs) Okay. Before we get into the A story, well, this is a story. Um, but there was like one little thing, this one new thing I noticed this time watching it. Um, I wonder if the whole acorn of it all was part of like an Americanization to help an American audience understand. Like Ooh. one, I'm a tree person, okay? Most yeah. oaks are 
you know, they're they're native to well, I looked it up. They're native to the northern hemisphere, mm-hmm. which does include some East Asian, some Asian. Um, but I'm just like, how likely is it that it was like an oak forest? Or how more likely in where we see in the very, very beginning, um, Zuko comes out of a bamboo forest saying, I think I'm almost, um, I think we're on their trail. Um, The the whole badass spirit is a panda. Yeah. Bamboo. And then when he finally like calms the spirit, the spirit walks off and makes a little bamboo forest. And I'm just like, that does not make sense. I did not realize yeah. that. Dang. The <laughs> Blowing my yeah. mind over here. Dr. Amber Jones ruining <laughs> everything. It's, it's this... absolutely possible, you know? Like, because what is, what is, what is a, well, I guess it would be a bamboo shoot. Would be uh, the... But bamboo is a grass. It's not a tree. That's true. So, it's yeah. Like... <laughs> so yeah, I was like, it's not Bamboo doesn't have an equivalent acorn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that, you know, an American audience is going to immediately understand an acorn and what an acorn means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and though there could be oak trees around, they kind of mixed it in there and hoped we wouldn't notice. But they should know <laughs> that we... Well, I mean, to be fair, I feel like Jess and I did not notice... <laughs> Oh no! We very much like, noticed the first oh, hundred sure. times. I mean, yeah. like to your point, Amber. They could have instead of saying like acorn, they could have been like, "It's a seed. There's seeds everywhere." Yeah, you know, yeah. like and like where we all of the animal namings and things like that. Like we just we just take it for what it is. Like you know, so it is very yeah. weird that they were like acorn. You need to yeah. un- like they're really trying to like drive that point home the of acorn rebirth yeah. and. and- yeah also and where the fuck fair, did those seeds come from because the trees fucking burnt so why are there seeds everywhere when literally everything else is burned that, that was another thing yes um yeah, it wasn't even like partial partial burn it mm-hmm. was complete wasteland <laughs> yeah um i will say when the spirit walks off and it makes that little bamboo forest the other trees around don't look like bamboo trees and so i'm like maybe is those trees maybe that were mostly it's burned spirit down. bamboo omg where it's more portal-esque than foliage maybe because then all of the people come out of the bamboo from the spirit world i don't know the, the only other bamboo we see is Zuko coming out of the bamboo. Mm-hmm. Could Zuko yeah. have accidentally been walking in the spirit world and not know it? Who knows? Maybe. That could be Maybe. a nice little level of mystery. <gasps> I mean, he Wait, no, probably wouldn't not. know because yeah, he is like I so don't oblivious. Think so. <laughs> okay, yeah, he but... wouldn't know if he was walking <laughs> He'd be around like, where's the... my uncle? Which, Weird. how cute was it that he was like, there's the avatar. No, you know what? I'm going to go save my uncle. Even though he's like, you have yes. 30 minutes. It's like, obviously, like eight hours later or something. He's like, yeah. what the hell? And he knows his uncle is going to do it. And you get else. like this little nugget yeah. of like, even though he treats his uncle like shit, he's like, you know, obviously cares. He doesn't know mm-hmm. how to show love and affection because his dad was a horrible example of that. 
And so, like, now he goes to save his uncle. And, like, also, he knows his uncle by, like, the smell of his gross-ass feet. I thought that was so Ooh. funny. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. Well, that's more when they have to find him in season three in this one he just finds the shoe well no he does smell yeah, it yeah and he's like he oh my god it. that's yeah. definitely him yeah. oh that's my god him. and i was like that's so <laughs> cute because like i wonder what that smells like <laughs> <laughs> i'd be interested in knowing what that smells like i would sniff that too but that shows like I tuck it into my little bag too just like Zuko did. <laughs> um but that shows like a closeness right like which <laughs> but i thought that was just such a silly thing i was like this is so cute this like this is so cute he's like okay i'm gonna go save my uncle and then no it is i'm it sorry is, it's i just started huh? thinking of the raw sexuality of I, fighting people naked yeah but go on no i it is it's a nice way to like introduce that zuko isn't an all the way bad like he's he's a misled person who does have genuine empathy Yes. And it's very, like, it's clear, even though he's like, I'm doing this for my dad. It's like, oh, there's so much more under that surface. Mm-hmm. We're going to yeah. get there. Um, yes, raw sexual energy of fighting naked cannot even handle it. Eat stuff. Uh, cannot. It's just, there's a lot here. <laughs> there there's is. really so much we here. We barely by, talked about a story. Um, but by way it's of kind of straightforward in general. Yeah, it's kind of straightforward. Yeah, yeah. a story is just adventure. It's also I mean, it, more of like Aang just being like, oh my God, I wasn't here. And then Katara being like, yes, but it's it wasn't your fault and it's okay. Yeah. And then again, Katara literally saves the whole day where... Aang tells like when he touches a spirit he's like oh it's okay mm-hmm. it's gonna grow back he literally uses the exact words that she told him he's just regurgitating yeah. it so in a way it's kind of like Aang is a medium for Katara to be the avatar Katara by proxy and save the saves world saves the world yeah Katara saves the world <laughs> every single <Yeah>. episode <laughs> <laughs> he's really just a conduit for her direction kind of and the, and the only reason is because he's the avatar and he has these yeah. different skill sets but if she would have just been the avatar <laughs> she probably would have taken this journey by herself she would have 100 oh yeah yeah it would have like, been a uh, it would, probably it be okay. been a solo show <laughs> her brother would not <laughs> be there season. there would be no team <laughs> avatar yeah. it's just uh katara at that fire lord <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> Like, oh, let's just go straight there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the A story is pretty plain and simple. I do like that it is our first sort of introduction to Roku. Mm-hmm. Or like the myth of Roku where it's like, oh, this is his dragon. This is like you're, yeah. you're getting more information in regards to it. And it's a nice little setup for the next episode. I also think it's really cute that like the avatars familiar goes with them into the spirit world in the end. I think that's really sweet. It's yes. so nice. Um, and we also know just in this case, they literally died together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is both sweet and sad. What else do we get in this? Uh, Sokka, I think this might be the first first time maybe correct me if i'm wrong where he's just like 
fuck this. I'm going out there and helping Aang. And like literally is just like, I don't give a shit. Like he, he can't do this on his own. Because yeah. before he hasn't been taking him seriously. And even in this, he's like, oh, I don't think you can do this. You can't do this. There's no way. But like yeah. he's still willing to like. Sokka's starting to get in the game. Yeah. He's he's like here for it yeah. now, which was nice. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It is really nice. Yeah, this this is kind of a nice little moment for him, even though he immediately gets taken. Because he's such and a immediately fool. loses all agency. <laughs> he's such a yeah. fool. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, but but in, in the way that only he can within the story, which is nice, but it is cool to see him, like, not necessarily be kind of the asshole critic at mm-hmm. every pass, mm-hmm. where now it's actually like, no, like, legit, we have to go. It's fun. He's gonna fail. Like, we must help him, and then it's yeah. like, no. It's fun that he's <laughs> damseled in order to um, give yes. Aang the motivation that he needs to, like, actually take this seriously and do what he has to. Mm-hmm. So I love that Sokka was the damsel, which is so funny to yeah. me. Oh, yeah. For, like, Sokka <laughs> always trying to be the hero, he's actually the damsel. Don't forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a nice little touch there. Let me see. What else is in this episode? <laughs> um, so the dragon oh. takes Aang spiritually to the Crescent Island that he'll have to yes. go to physically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it's just we just see a whole bunch of stuff we don't fully understand the context of until later. Like we like uh, I'm, we'll talk about this when we talk about the next episode but like literally like that volcano that we see like is that the same volcano um, that killed Roku and his dragon and is it it's kind of cool that their spirits still kind of like rely there um, we see the first oh the first view of the comet yep Oh, Shosen's Comet. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sozen's Comet. Sozen. Did I say Shosen? Like Wonder Shosen? Sozen's Comet. <laughs> I heard Sozen. Right? I heard Sozen. It's Sozen? <laughs> okay, cool. Yes. I think I mispronounced it, but thank you. Uh, maybe I didn't. Ooh. And I think this is <laughs> but... the first time that we also start to understand that the spirit world and human world can like overlap. Like they're doing a lot more yeah. with like that whole thing um and giving a little bit of backstory for that which was cool but yeah there's just there's so much in this episode it's why it's one of the best episodes honestly that you have to go back and on the rewatch you notice all of these things that it was setting you up for they do a really good foreboding like sound whenever ang thinks about this vision of the comet like it's like just kind of like quiet and just like fire burning or something like that and it's fully chilling you know like oh that's not a good comet yeah at least not for them I think yeah, this is when you kind of like start to get like the a the fuller picture mm-hmm. as to like oh, like we've already set like the stage. Like I feel like the last um the last mm-hmm. couple episodes that we talked about um were the turning point between like exposition mm-hmm. and like here is who they are, here is where they are in the world, and now here is here is the story. Here is the main story. You know, yeah. and yeah. that really starts to happen next mm-hmm. episode is the the full turning point where it's like, boom, you have to do all of this and we'll talk about in the ne- 
in the next episode but yeah yes um but they do a really good job of slowly unfolding it because you kind of have to know these characters and you see that like when they go off on this journey they really are going towards like nothing they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing they have just like one thing like okay well let's just go north um and slowly over the episodes you're like nope there are things that you specifically need to do and we're we're getting a little bit yeah. little by little mm-hmm. and I, I i like that that journey style does lend itself to that same sort of being in the present idea yes. i guess it's is it kind of like a taoist mentality of like oneness and presentness because it very much is like oh we just have to go north that's all i know yeah that's what we're doing <laughs> we will be we'll find out what we need to do as it comes so let's not worry about it and then as soon as it's like hey is that something it's like that is exactly something mm-hmm. let's go to it mm-hmm. and you're like yep yeah, okay cool as, also... as it presents itself we do it mm-hmm. there's also one other thing that i thought was good foreshadowing um is like so in the beginning when they see the burnt forest and Aang's all sad um he was like it's not just about the forest it's you know I'm supposed to be the avatar but no one's here to tell me how to do that and I don't know how to do any of this and Kotaro was like well that's why we're going north to find you a teacher and he was like yeah a waterbending teacher (laughs) and I thought that was just a really good foreshadowing of Katara's pretty single-minded like she knows that there's like of course the war is bad Mm -hmm. but Katara is always thinking about oh my god I'm on my way to a real waterbending master yeah um well, it just it's nice because she is so excited about unlocking the possible potential that she's seeing in Aang that yeah. she obviously knows she's capable of. She can feel it. It's palpable. Yeah. But she just can't enact it in the way that she knows she can. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I do love those little hints of that, of her being like, oh, no, for sure, your thing. But, like, My it's going to be great. And he's like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. It's like, because it's going to be great. Let's go. And I think yeah. part of that wants we'll it so bad for herself because, like, she gives so much to literally everybody else that, like, Yes. Not only does she deserve this, but like this is her one thing that she is allowing herself to want uh, like openly because every other yeah. time it's like, oh, whatever, I'll do this. I'll mend your pants. I'll get all the supplies. It's fine. Like, oh, here's encouragement. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a good boy. Good, good job, you know. But like mm-hmm. this is the only thing that she really holds for herself and like her whole ambition. And she makes that known, which is why later on that's so... um kind of devastating you know because she's been saying it literally this whole time and like even in these subtle ways like you're pointing out amber and Mm -hmm. like so when you know when what happens happens that's why it's like even more shitty that like nobody else really cares you know to the same level like no one seemed to have picked up on the fact that she was like desperately feeling pulled Mm -hmm. north so that she can realize her own power because I think she is smart enough to know like yes Aang has a lot of power but I also have a lot of power Mm -hmm. and by the way I've saved his life like twice now 
we've known each other for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about those episodes. Yeah, I can't so wait. So it's talk. beautiful that Katara believes in her own power and that she, even while being super nice and helping people out, um, she is totally thinking about her future and what she's yeah. gonna do. Mm-hmm. It's such a good example for all people. It's just like you can be giving and empathetic and all these things and still be a hero and get all the things that you need to like you can care about yourself and others yes and there there is that in order to nourish others you must nourish yourself Mm -hmm. yeah so there is that level of like obviously she cares about others obviously it's about Mm -hmm. the community however to feel good and to give that goodness there has to be goodness to begin with. yeah and that starts with you and maybe she knows that no one else is thinking about helping the little girl fight for herself. Oh, yeah. Like, no one's thinking about that. Mm-hmm. No. So she's I mean, gotta. As we've seen thus far with her brother, I mean, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like, yeah. He's actively, like, <laughs> being the opposite. And I think Aang is so focused on saving the world and, and yeah. being the avatar and, and flirting. all of this responsibility. Yeah. And flirting. And relying completely on Katara for literally any moment of doubt. (laughs) Anytime there's any even semblance of like, can I do this? He'll be like, hey. And she's like, you can do this. Literally did that in this episode. When somebody, when the villager came up and was like, hey, um, who are you? And he looks at Katara and she's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, he kind of like it's, he's he likes her so much, but he also puts her into the mommy category because like he sh- is yes. like, oh, yeah. look at me, look at me, look at me. But he doesn't. I personally don't feel like Aang really sees Katara at all um, right now because yeah. It, yeah. like, again, he goes off and does the flirty thing in the previous episodes and whatever. Yeah. But like he also literally she is like practically screaming at the top of her lungs that i'm going to do waterbending i want to do this and we see her get frustrated because this is her Mm -hmm. thing and ang like you know um is better at it than she is and he just started and all this stuff and she she wants something for herself but he doesn't recognize that because he doesn't recognize Mm -hmm. her and her wants and ambitions at all because she is there for him and to serve him and to be cute and for him to like make doughy eyes on right yeah. yeah. Aang is totally fine with a mommy girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The emotional support mommy girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little boy. Call... That's the episode title. Aang <laughs> <laughs> and his emotional support mommy girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I Aang feel like nuzzles that's... closer to yeah. Katara's bosom. <laughs> This is one another way. <laughs> yes. Well, I feel like that's a great place to Let's end close it. the episode. I agree. Bosom. Because, um, uh, yeah, right on the bosom. <laughs> um, end it right, right, right. Atop. Right. Uh, right at the nipple, in fact. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> resting. <perfectly. laughs> just suckle on that. Oh, my goodness. Anyways. <laughs> yes. Like, to be fair. Like our listeners suckle yes. on the show for content. Yes. yes. <laughs> so does 
Okay. So um, thank you so much. Oh, for what a thirsty episode. <laughs> <laughs> it it really is a very sex heavy. Oh episode. yeah, we could not stop. Okay. Okay. No. Um, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us here for episode. What episode is <laughs> seven? Seven. Sorry. Sex, thank you sex, for joining sex. us here today, <laughs> episode seven of the Momas and the Appas. <laughs> Music and editing. By Eric Lefebvre. Artwork by David Tercero. Do not forget to rate, review us, rate and review us wherever you get your pods. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Bye. <laughs> bye. Stay tuned for another episode next time. <laughs> See you. <laughs> Later. Will Goodbye. there be more titty? Don't Probably. know. <laughs>